You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. I am with my co-host, the man, Tom McGrath, and the Alana. All right, guys, you could step in at any time now. Let's try that again. I'm going to do another fucking introduction, and you're going to try to do it again. Are we good? You ready, guys? Here we go. Now, and we're back. It's Primal Radio. I am Jimmy Can. I'm with my co-host, the great, the one and only, Tom McGrath and the Alana. Yeah. All right. That What's was up, Jim? All right. Well, we have to fucking work on that. You've got to appreciate, Jim, the British, we're naturally reserved. It's, 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 it's not in our nature to, to sort of do the whole big, No. you know, yeah, I, I'm kind of, I'm doing my best here. You're doing well. You're coming, you're coming into that nice, you know, kind of American vulgarity. Well done. Very well. Well, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. But you're uh, too polite to say anything about that, so let's continue. A <laughs> <laughs> um, couple quick notes here. We are heard Saturday nights, 9 p.m. Uh, UK time and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's New York time. Uh, you can check out the archives on HamiltonRadio.net. Uh, we also have a, cha- a chat room, HamiltonRadio.net. Hey, forward slash chat room. What's that, Gene? You do have a chat room. Yeah, we have the chat room, so you can go on there actually even now and, and hear us up. Uh, but anyway, uh, we're back with our third show, and on our third show, Tom has... It's our fourth show, Jim. Is it our fourth show? Sorry. Yeah. Is our fourth... No, is it? Yes, it is. Yeah, for real. Conspiracy, Doc, and then the original. I'm counting Really? Back. Yeah. I, I don't remember all this shit. Is it the fourth show? Jim. Jim. Come down. <laughs> Doc Watson, number two. Yeah. Number three, Conspiracy. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What do I know? Well, (laughs) many things, but apparently not that. (laughs) No. Well, look. When you're having fun, it just flies by. But anyway, so Tom has been in charge of the European base of Primal Radio, and he's been in charge of booking guests. So if you don't like the guests, you got to give him the the flack. But anyway, we have a special guest. And this gentleman, Tom, I'm going to let you do the introduction. Uh, I've had uh, the pleasure of meeting our, our guest. And, uh, Tom, do you want to do the honors and get our guests out so we can... Uh... Yeah, I've, I've written another one of my uh, introductions. I've not got a segue for this one, really. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, So, John McClinney, is that how you say it? McElhenney. McElhenney. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, A.K.A. Johnny Mac is a proud Irishman, an entrepreneur, and a family man with a love for the martial arts. Together with his father, Jack, and brother, Ryan, he owns and operates five of London's busiest pubs, each unique in character. Johnny is married to his beautiful wife, Layla, and has two young children, Jack and Molly. I've had the pleasure of teaching Johnny martial arts at JKD London for the last few years, where he goes from strength to strength. Johnny is an all-around top character, and um, he has some great stories to share with us today. Hello, Jim. Hey, hey, John. How you doing, brother? Can I, can I just say you've got a great face for radio, bro? I do, man. I, look, it, it, it's been, I actually had one of my – I've shared this. I believe, Tom, I shared this with you, but a couple of years ago I was training this this girl, and you know, I've had a lot of fights uh, uh, in the past. But anyway, as we're, as we're training, and, uh, and she, we're boxing, and she punches me in the face and whatever, and then she goes, you know, she looks at me, uh, you know, weird kind of look and she goes you know 
your face is really not that bad. <laughs> so I did, and I said, well, I think I'm going to take that as a compliment. I think she meant she expected me to be like Quasimodo or something, a little beaten up. But despite being punched in the face tens of thousands of times, matter of fact, Alana messed up her hand, but it was on my elbow. Yeah, it was It was a body block. I was doing uh, a body hook, and it was just, you, you know. So it wasn't my head. Elbow. No, no, no. I've messed up my elbow and your head before. Right, but yeah. usually it's my, you're right, it's usually my um. Which was face that causes the difference. But anyway, so Johnny, <laughs> uh, how are you doing? So you have been involved with martial arts. You've been trained with Tom for a number of years, and yeah. uh, and you and you run these uh, pubs in, in the UK. And we want to talk about the, the pubs and your martial arts. How did you did you start training when you were young or so, in in martial arts, or is this something that you just kind of decided in a midlife crisis? I, I need to go learn how to kick some ass. <laughs> it all it all started by me uh, watching Enter the Dragon. I won't. Well, the, the scene was when Jim Kelly was getting a, a massage from a lovely young lady. Oh yeah, yeah. And I kind of, I kind of got, got hooked on it. But I, I was seven years old, <laughs> and, I, and I was just fascinated not by what I saw, but I was fascinated <laughs> about but how Bruce moved, how, Bru- <laughs> how Bruce moved on the on the screen. Yeah, yeah. And over the years, I've been, I was always collecting magazines, and as you know, in in the UK, you couldn't get a, you'd never get the full, the, you'd never get the full movie. There'd always be pieces missing out with the movie, the violence in in the UK and Ireland. So you'd yeah. never see Bruce with the with the nunchucks. Really? Or, or, they, they edited yeah. this out. They, they were all deleted out all, till about ten years ago. No, I had. He's very political with his Boxer Rebellion stuff. There was some really obvious political issues with his. Uh, yeah. Not yeah. But, not yeah. in a bad way. I'm just saying that the content. Because you'd see you'd see Bruce in the way of the dragon with the nunchucks, and you'd see posters. Right. But when you when you when you when you'd watch way of the dragon, you wouldn't. It'd be all edited over, you know. Yeah. So for for years I always I was always fascinated by him just but not not because of his um just because of his physical presence on basically on the on the on the, on the TV not from the physical phys- I can't even say the word physical <laughs> are we getting physical Tom physicality I was never I was never into, yeah. into his philosophy oh, because when you're young you just want to get a, a brush and cut it in two and right. put a chain in the middle of it and start swinging it around right. you know sure. But I was always, always fascinated, and, and and still am to this day. And I always wanted to learn his martial art, but there was there was nobody in Ireland doing it at the time. Yeah. So I don't I don't kickboxing and bushido when I was uh, when I went to boarding school. I was thirteen. I done it. I done it for two years, but I gave it up because I could only do it on Saturdays, and the only time I got home at the weekends was on Saturdays. So gotcha. I wanted to spend time with my folks. So yeah. I kind of disbanded myself from martial arts for a, for for a good for a good few years, you know. And it's only till I got to London. I started getting back into it again when I met Tom and the guys. Uh, well, I, I was I was I was looking to join a martial arts school for a long time, but between working and drinking and messing around in London, I never really got. I never really knuckled down because when you're young, you know, yeah, I couldn't really I couldn't really settle down. But uh, I was meant to start in 2013, but we'll probably get onto that story later on in the show. <laughs> I was meant to start in 2013, but I had a bit of an accident. <laughs> yeah, this is the world's greatest story. This is the world's greatest story. <laughs> All right, we'll get to that later. So wait, so you moved from, let's step a second, you moved from Ireland to London when you were a teenager? No, no, I moved uh, 20 years ago. I was 26. Oh, you were 26. Oh, okay. I was, I was young, dumb, and full of cum, as they say in Ireland. Oh, no, but... they, they do, they do. <laughs> Now, is that right to say that? <laughs> <laughs> you can say whatever you want, brother man. It's okay. all good. So why did you move? Why why did you move to London? I moved. I, I tell you, I was I was I was I was in construction in Ireland, and my dad had a bit of a drinking problem, as all Irish men do. I've heard that. And he, he, he liked a few Guinnesses, and he was in. He he left Ireland in 1993, 
because yeah. the revenue, the inland revenue was after him. Like the tax man was after him. So yeah. he went to Lon- he went to London with with a uh, ten grand in a suitcase and started f- started from the bottom and worked to try to build an empire again because he he had a great hotel in Ireland for years. And because of the recession, blah, 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 he had to head to the, the UK. Yeah. So he was there for over four or five years. And he, he rang me one night and he says, do you fancy coming to London? This is in 1996. Yeah. And I says, I'll come to London for two months. And I'm still there. Wow. And I still have my accent, thank God. You can take the man out of Ireland, but you can't take the Irish <laughs> out of the man. <laughs> this is true. This is true. <laughs> so then you guys, we'll, we'll get back to much. You guys started a, a couple different pubs. Is that what the business was? Well, my, 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 my dad had a pub. It was like a pubs are in England. You have to rent it. You rent the pubs off the brewery, and you buy all the alcohol off the brewery. So the margins are very low to make any any sort of profit. But we we, we had to start somewhere. Yeah. So we start we started with one little boozer. My dad had he didn't know anybody in the UK. So basically, the first week he opened the pub, he was so busy he just told all the customers, "Come in behind the bar and pour your own pints." Nah. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody good. was going in, handing them two pounds. You pour your own beer. Yeah. We're, Word got around that this mad Irish man, you can walk in, give him two pounds, and you can pour your own pint. Went around like wildfire. The queues were down the street. And then nice. after a week, my dad is going, I'm not making money out of this, but everybody bloody knows me. <laughs> I have to ask, um, the pubs are famous for sometimes some brilliant names. So uh, what are the names of your pubs? And what areas? One is called the King's Arms, but it's got a, it's, its nickname is called Bonsies. And I only found out yesterday, the reason it was called Bonsies is because the English used to call the Germans Bonsies. But I need to find out why they called them Bonsies. But it was a German landlord and nobody liked him. So nobody ever went to Bonsies. So we've got the King's Arms in Rupel Street. Yeah. If you ever watch, if you ever watch a movie called uh, The Legend with Tom Hardy, it's about the Craze, the famous Cray Brothers. That's quite a recent film, Jim. You might, uh, yeah. you might enjoy that one. It's about the Craze and about the Richardsons back in the 60s. There were two of these rival gangs killing each other, yeah. cutting each other up. Mm-hmm. But the King's Arms in Rupel Street, we've got the Windmill on the Cut, it's then beside Kevin Spacey. Kevin Spacey had a was running a theatre down there for ten years. Wow. We got the Ring, which is the home of British boxing. Yeah, it's where it's where boxing started in nineteen ten. Nice. We got Jacks. We got Jacks on uh, Isabella Street, and then we just opened Mac and Sons. It's about my family's history back in uh, last Monday. Oh no, kidding! Awesome. Yeah, and, and it's been rammed. Since the day we've opened, I look a bit. I'm really? only 25. I look about 40 here. Looking you at myself do. on the screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'm a little, a little bit, little bit tired. But anything for you, Jim? No, no, that's great. That's awesome. Well, when I'm over there, I'm going to have yeah, to uh, uh, go to all of them and sample something and everything. <laughs> well, see, Tom, you're in charge of that, please. See, the, the pubs are <laughs> just a beautiful thing in London, and the thing is that uh, the good ones are often concealed. <laughs> Or rather, you know, I get lost Hitty. trying to find them. So, you know, it's just good to know which, you know, which ones are yours. Yeah, exactly. They're all, they're all, the King's Arms is a famous pub. It's always used for movies. Yeah, we, we've and they, and the and the windmill on the cut is between two theaters. So you've all you've all the actors coming. In, so I've met uh, them all over the years. Uh, you know, uh, no, I, I could be walking. I could be walking down the street in Kevin Spacey. Go, how are you doing, Johnny Mac? Nah. People go, <laughs> how do you know him? I tell you a good story. Do you know how I met Kevin Spacey? I was walking down the road one day and Kevin Spacey had a dog, right? And I've got a dog, it's Jack Russell, Mini Mac, because she's really small, so we called her Mini Mac. Yeah, yeah. So I'm walking Mini Mac down the road and Mini Mac went to sniff Kevin Spacey's dog <laughs> down below, you know? No, kidding. So I, so I pulled my Mini back. I says, Mini, get away. And he says to me, how do you know the name of my dog? I says, what's the name of you? So his dog is Mini. So that's, we used to meet each other, you know, going up and down the street with the dogs, like, you know, somebody funny. thought something was going on between the both of us, but that, ah, that's how I met him, and ah, then he came ah, drinking ah, in the pubs. That's funny. <laughs> what kind of dog did he have? 
Oh, jeez, it was a French poodle or something. It didn't, uh, it didn't look right with him. Nothing at all. that manly. Oh. <laughs> you, need to borrow, you need to borrow my Ajax. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a hell of a. But it was, uh, it, was, it, was tough. it was tough for us when we first took over the pubs because we were, we were Irish guys in, 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 in England. It was, things, were, things were improving 20 years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. So we were we were still in the we were still in in the, in, in, in the backyard. So there was a lot of gangsters around the area, more or less trying to put heat on me and my brother. You know, over yeah. over the years, over various different reasons, we'd be there'd be cocaine in the pubs. And we'd have to throw guys out, and wow, it was it, it got re- it got really messy about six or seven years ago. Where uh, we were going to we were going to sell the pubs and, and leave the UK because really? it, it just yeah it wasn't safe. One of the one of the gangsters basically drove up beside my brother. And this guy carries a gun all the time, and he 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 pulled the window down. And he says to my brother Ryan, he says, "Get into the back of the car." He says, "We need to talk," you know, over an over an incident that happened ten years ago. Wow! So my brother went right. This is me now. I'm going in the I'm going in the hole. So he thought he was going to get he was thought he was going to get done. Yeah, yeah. So this guy uh, Patsy turned around and says to Ryan, he says, "I just want to say that you and your brother nobody will ever touch you guys in Waterloo. You've done so much for the community. You give people jobs. There's certain people in this manner." in the area that don't respect what you've actually done in the area. He says, I'm going to sort those guys out. You guys just carry on what you're doing. He says, if you ever have any trouble, he says, give me a call. He says, I'll sort it out. And wow. from, that day, from that day on, we've never had any trouble. Thank no, God. Thank God, right? right. Or I, would, I wouldn't be here talking to you. No, no. <laughs> P45, as they say in the UK. That's right, you, know? you wouldn't be around at all. So, yeah, so, so it was really, so, it, was, it was scary times, you know. It was like, yeah, sure. just, it was just when our business was just, all the hard work was starting to pay off and then going, right. We're just going to have to leave now because because two or three individuals, you know, and dangerous dangerous guys. I'm not talking about lads like. Is this like organized crime or just? Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, it's, these guys organized crime, but idiots at the same time because they're just capable of doing anything, you know. It's just you, yeah. you, you were just walking around from pub to pub. You don't know whether they're going to break it in or burn it down or right. stab you or rob you going to the bank or waiting outside your house. It, it wasn't it wasn't nice, and I had two young kids at the time as well, so it was like. Yeah, yeah. I think it's time to go home, you know. Now, you, we, we, st- we stuck it out. Now, do you have doormen at these places? I know that it's, you see a lot of, do- on this side of the of the pond, you see a lot of these doormen. The guys, I guess, make careers. There are several guys out there who have got DVDs and tapes and organizations and have kind of made their their living being doormen. So is that something that you have your pubs or is it not that kind of pub? We've only it's it's we out of the five pubs we've only got doormen in in one venue and we have to have that for the for the license it's a it's a condition on our oh, license it's, that it's there's required. so many people in yeah so yeah. We, we we got two guys but I I don't call them doormen they're like concierge they they meet and they greet the women they collect the, the glass from the tables yeah. they don't look like they don't look like too big like thugs. pit bulls. It, like they don't like too like they exactly don't, they don't look like you Jim no I used to be one of those guys. <laughs> But but not there, yeah. My capacity was completely different, but yeah. But there's never any. There's never. Any. We 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 probably had we had an incident about four years ago in Jacks where the basically bouncers uh, kicked out these certain individuals and they came back like five or six of them. Two of them come into the bar, started yeah. causing aggro at the bar. Two of the doormen come in to get rid of them, and then six guys come in behind the doormen and basically hit them with a hit them with a, a chair, yeah. and then basically then basically glass them. And then a customer of mine went up to give him a hand, and he got the glass in the face as well. Wow! He's scared. He still comes in, and every time I look at him, I go, "Fucking!" I, I'm, not, I'm not saying I caused that, but it, it yeah. happened. It, it's not happening when it happens in your back backyard, you know. Right, right. Well, we used to went back when I used to bounce a lifetime ago at this particular club, which was like a very uh, a big club, and had a who's who of the punk rock bands. 
you know, back in the day. Um, often when we'd kick uh, guys out of the club or a series of them, they'd go back and get reinforcements and come back um, <laughs> to the to the pub later on that night. You know, so yeah. when, when they came back in later on that night, you know, we we'd uh, you'd have another altercation at two or three o'clock in the morning, whatever that time was. And, yeah. and it made it, uh, you know, you could never leave uh, by yourself because you didn't know who was waiting for you. You never knew. And Kwanzaa, they weren't always the toughest guys on the planet that when you kick them out, they just, uh, you know, when you have multiple people, three or four guys coming at you, it would, it would, be, be, it yeah. would be pretty challenging, you know. And yeah. often they'd have, you know, some sort of a weapon or something like that. But eh, we always took care of it. It didn't matter, you know. But it, yeah. that, was kind of, that was a different kind of club. From there, so why did what they make you at the one place? It's you have to legally have doormen. Yeah, it's, why, a, it's a condition on the license because yeah. the, the police don't really have much say in, in in pubs in the UK. It's a local authority, so local residents. Like we got a block across from, from Jack's, and there's two hundred people living in it, and just one person is making it a, a nightmare for us. Yeah, because because we're such a successful bar, it just goes to show you, you get penalised for being successful, and we, right. we we don't let drug dealers in. I can I can spot a handbag thief. Right. two miles down the road I can smell them before they go in. I'm very good I'm very observant like that you know so we we, we we don't have any hassle but we just have to have these guys and they're, re- they're really really nice guys they're good with it good with the customers I, I don't like I wouldn't have a bully working for me anyway some guys occasionally have to come down and replace the guy if he's sick or something sure but I just I just say look guys these this, these are the rules for this establishment right just kill kill them with kindness and that's it you know right, right. You know, rough and ready with them so have, have you seen that world famous movie with patrick swayze the roadhouse have you guys seen that movie do you know something i looked at it the other day and i, and I was going like 20 25 years ago the fighting was brilliant for when you look at it now you go oh my god no, right <laughs> it's like, but, it's but, like the 1960s yeah, i got movie. you yeah but you know at the time it was it was brilliant choreographed but what the things his character which is true he, he was a cooler and then his job was not to beat somebody up and to uh, throw them out was to get them out of the place and not cause any problems. That's really what that job of that guy is to do. Kill, kill them, yeah, kill, kill them. Sure, that's my dad's them, Right. Recently in the past year, I'm not going to say the name of the place, but someone had asked me to come in and, and help out because they had some issues. They hired some meatheads to go in there. Look, I'm way too old to be bouncing. It was great when I was in my 20s. I loved it. You got a lot of action. Now I don't give a shit. I don't really want to fight anybody that way. If I don't have to, but they, they brought me in because they had a couple of meatheads, had some big alt, had some altercations, and then as soon as I went in there, there was no problem. Not that I'm a genius, but it was just a way to smooth people out. I didn't have to punch him in the face to get him to leave. That wasn't required, yeah. and that's what you want when you're in that kind of place. So is there, are, well, there, are, yeah. there, are there themes in these clubs, or is they, are they just no? They, well, Mac and Sons is, is a traditional Irish. It's like a, it's like a bit of Irish soil in in the, in the UK. The, yeah. the ring is a is a boxing pub. It's a boxing team pub, but it's it's got all the old vintage um, photographs of all the old boxers from 60, 70, 80 years ago. All the Southpaw guys with the nice, with, yeah, with, yeah, with, yeah. No, with no with no gloves on their fists, protecting their heart, right. Um, tell, tell Jim a bit more about the ring and the, the history there, because well, the history of the ring is there was there was a boozer across the road, and the ring was I think it was built in nineteen nineteen oh six, and it was it was the home of British boxing. That's where if you were if you were a boxer, that's that, that's that's who went to fight, and it hold about two hundred and fifty people, and a fella called Dick Burge managed started managing it from nineteen ten till nineteen eighteen, and unfortunately he he, he got a heart attack at, at uh, thirty six, and he died, and it was such a successful venue. His missus took it over. Yeah. So she was. She was. She she ran that club up to 1940 when unfortunately it was it was uh, bombed by the Germans, and it was used in the in the Second World War. It was used as an air raid shelter, and there was 175 people 
killed in it. Wow. Yeah, there was tw- there was tw- I think there was twenty two thousand rounds of boxing fought in it. Twenty two thousand rounds of boxing. Yeah, there was oh, champions of champions like these boys. Sure. And the ring was the ring was only fourteen foot square, so they had to kick the shite of each other in the ring. You know, right? There was no there was no running away from your opponent in the ring. Right, right. And um, so basically, when it when it got bombed in the forties, it was a it was a it was a bomb site for about thirty years, and then they built a, an office block on it, and then. They continued training the boxing upstairs in this pub called The Ring across the road. So we were fortunate enough to buy it back in, uh, which is, it must be 16 years ago. We, we got the lease and the guys were still training upstairs. No shit. You used to have, used to have Lenny McLean. I don't, don't, don't know. There's a guy called the governor called Lenny McLean. Nah. He, was a fam- he was a famous doorman. He was in, he's in a load of movies. He was in Lock, Stock, Two Smoke and Barrels. But it's a, it's a very good story if you, ever, if you ever come across him. But all the old gangsters used to train upstairs in, in the pub. So when we bought the pub, uh, we wanted to redevelop upstairs, and the guy that had the ring, he moved it down the road. So they, they, they still continued to train with, with, with the name, like, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the original site, what, what got bombed, is now called um, Palstra, which is the Greek name for uh, wrestlers and and uh, and uh, fighters. So then, yeah. at, at least it still has a bit of history there. A lot of people don't know what the word means, but it's it's to do with pugilism and, or boxing and wrestling. And what all was that, the word? Palestra. 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 It's a Greek. Yeah, it's a Greek word yeah, for yeah. wrestling. It's bro. originally, but but um, in Italian, it's still. Uh, it just means gym, but yeah. Is that what it is? Isn't it? Yes. Um, oh, in oh. fact, yeah. In fact, the reason this is going to be idiotic, but the reason that it's masculine but it ends with an A, it usually means feminine. That's marking it as a originally Greek word. So uh, Jeez, you're like you're like Siri. You know everything. <laughs> <laughs> I know, very, I know a lot of us very little. <laughs> she, she, yeah, she. Uh, what do you have your PhD in? Uh, literature, right? Something like comparative that. Comparative literature. Comparative. Yes. So she knows all, all Greek. Like Tom had recently on a side note, Tom had a, que- a Latin question, and, and he, you remember this, Tom? Yeah, I do. I do. I know it was I only a couple days that. ago. So if my mum if my mum listens to this, she'll know I'm thinking about getting another tattoo, which will go down badly. Oh no, we will talk about it. But, <laughs> but so so Tom had posted something in regards to hey, he needed he had a question about some Latin thing, and then I said, well, the Alana would know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and that, that, that was a great write up you gave me, Alana. Oh. But it's, it's been so confusing because I've asked. Uh, what, what amazed me so I asked people on Facebook. You know, does anyone know anyone? that speaks Latin yeah. and, and much to my surprise about five or six people said, yeah, I know this person who's an expert, that person who's an expert. And I've asked all of them and they've all come up with different answers. But they're all, to, to... But they're all in line with classical Latin. Almost all of them um, reflect classical Latin. Yeah. Yeah. You see, yeah. and the thing is that, yeah. that it's, which, that's which taken the... out of context because you want you want medieval Latin, and you know that it actually is a phrase from medieval Latin because a medieval Latin uses lots of things that it doesn't need to, like prepositions, like add, um, for example, when once again it doesn't need to, and then misuses them. Um, no, no. It, I mean, it's just it's just how the language was. On, but there you, you know, go. Now we know. Yeah. So, so yeah, you were getting. For those that have no idea what we're talking yeah. about. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop. No fans. I won't so, so even... I'm thinking of getting a tattoo that okay. says "To no, whatever please. end," which is a, which is a phrase um, Dennis Blue uses, and he uses yeah. a Latin. He, he uses in Latin, which he says is "quid quid ad fid, finem." Um, and uh, it's, it's a phrase the Norse men would say when they were going into battle and they were heavily outnumbered. So I really like the sound of it. However, I just wanted to check 
that it was that the, the spelling that he was using was sort of consistent with what everything else was saying. Well, and now I've got a million different answers. Well, no, can you I'll, say it once more? No, I can make it really simple. Okay. Uh, <laughs> now imagine imagine if you wanted to tattoo something, some famous saying by Winston Churchill on your ass. Let's just say that, okay? Theoretically. You really wanted to. <laughs> that might be the yeah. next one. Yeah, yeah, okay then. And so, so, so you wanted it exactly right, but then you decided that it would be best to render it to be completely correct in like Chaucerian English. Maybe even Middle English might not. Would that be preposterous, right? You, you lost me at hello. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, would, would you translate, like, say, say you want, okay, who's, who is your, just your favorite, who is the most eloquent person you know in the UK as, like, a celebrity, somebody who you think is, says something that, I was going to say you, Alana, but, in the UK, I don't know, Hugh Grant, something like okay. that, it's definitely not huge. Really? Okay, well, say, say, right. say, also, okay well, let's go back to Winston Churchill. So Winston Churchill, you have some wisdom by him that you want to capture forever in perpetuity, right? All right, and, th- and then I, what I was saying is that going back to like a classical Latin thing where you get the tags like with the quibus, all that stuff, um, screwing around with the quid nunks and the quid quid and the quid quid. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying that all of those things. It's, it's like, it's like you decided that you wanted to take the Winston Churchill quotation, and you wanted to go back to Chaucer and even more into Middle English because that was the original English, and make it into whatever that would look like. Why don't you? Well, I think we'll, like, I think hey, we'll, we'll come back to this. Okay. All right, Johnny Mac. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's so, I can tell you, I can I tell you what happened on Saturday. What happened? There was a big national front march in uh, in London. There was like thirty thousand national front guys. So, so they're all like the racists. Yeah, all, all the racists. They're kick them all out. They're stealing them all our out, jobs. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. So basically, in in Waterloo, Waterloo Station is a big big station. So any of the big matches that are coming. So we got Millwall. They're they're known for um, hooliganism. So basically going to fights, kicking the shit out of each other. And they fight with all these other rival football teams. So yeah. they fight with Portsmouth. So Portsmouth and Southampton came into Waterloo on Saturday. 3,000 of them. And they all headed down the street. Because my, my, my pubs are all on the same street, more or less. They're all 100 yards away from each other. Oh, wow. So the guy that owns the hotel from Crossing Train Station rang me. He says, Johnny, he says, there's about two to 3,000 people heading your way. Watch out. And I went, oh, Fuck, here we go. Yeah. Because year, years ago, my pub got trashed. Every window, every the place got trashed with all these hooligans, you know. Mm. But, um, so the windmill, it can only fit 200 people. Fucking, there was about 300 people in it. Everybody was sandwiched in it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And they're, all, they're all on their mobile phones, blah, blah, blah. So Pat, the manager, rings me and he goes, Johnny, it's going, it's going to kick off down in the, in the windmill. So I says, ah, sure, I'll go down anyway and see, see what the story is. So myself and Pat, the manager, just went around and started talking all right, guys, how you doing? You know, we didn't realize there was something on today. And where he's from, and oh, we're power, we're power, but you know, we're power, but blah blah blah. So look, look, we're, we're getting more staff down. Don't we? We're going to. So basically, we were going around finding out who the ringleaders were. Yeah. And then we were going over, and I, I recognize a few of the guys from over the years and going, and they go, hey, how you doing? I go, how are things? Yeah, we're in town for the match. You know, there's going to be no hassle in your pub. Don't worry about. It. So we just kind of around, and as we get back to the same thing we said earlier on. Killing them with kindness, just making making them feel safe, making sure that I'm not going to call the cops. And and by the, there was police outside, like there was five or six wagons outside yeah. with police in them. But touch wood, nothing kicked off until there was about twenty five guys outside the bar, and the Millwall a Millwall guy walked by the Portsmouth guy and just knocked them out. Wow! This guy ran down the street and he we watched him and he slipped and I went oh he's dead 
<laughs> these 25 guys were under his little fellas after falling and going, he's dead. Yeah, but yeah. Jesus, he got up and he ran and he ran. And these guys went running after him. But touch wood, there was no trouble. But over the years, we've had loads of trouble. You'd know football hooligans were coming in, you'd be going, your mouth to go dry, you'd be going. Because these, these guys are lethal. Do you know what they used to do, Jim? What? This is no word of a lie. They used to come into my pub on a Friday, go into the toilets, and lift off the cisterns, the back of the toilets. Yeah. Put knives, machetes, oh. whatever they could, whatever they could fit down there. Right. <laughs> put them, put them in the toilets. Nice. Go back to Portsmouth. Yeah. To come into the station, and the police would go right, search that guy. So that have no weapon, that have no weapons on them. Yeah. And then they go to the pub, go into the toilets, get tuned up, wow. and then go to the matches and start cutting lads up. No. Come shit. back, or else get rid of, and get rid. Of, and then what they used to they used to leave their drugs there. And one night they left their drugs there, and I, I closed the I closed the pub. The police says that you need to close the pub, so I closed the pub and I checked the toilets. There was a big bag of cocaine, bigger wow. than a bag of sugar. I went fuck. These boys are going to come back looking for this. And I used to rent out the rooms upstairs in the in the in, in the in, in the pubs. And this fella Jerry, he was meant he used to do jujitsu. And next thing all we hear is boom 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 boom. Where's my fucking drugs? So I stuck my head out the window and went, oh guys. So I went up to up to Jerry and said, Jerry, these boys are looking. They're looking for their bag of drugs. He says, I'll I'll, I'll handle this, you know. There'll be ten or fifteen of them. So Jerry goes down and says, "All right, boys." Yeah, he says, yeah, I, "I left something in the toilet." He goes, "What did you leave?" In the toilet? Oh, I'm not telling you what I left in the toilet. He goes, "He says, well, I'll come into the toilet with you." And I said, "We all want to go in together." He says, "No, no, no." He says, "Me and you went into the into the toilets together. We did that two sit two cisterns full of two big bags of coke." Wow. Your man, oh, your man opened up the bag. He stuck his finger in, tasted. He goes, "That's all right, lads. Thanks very much." And they walked out the door. And if if we weren't in the pub, they would have probably broken. Just like I, I don't know how much cocaine is, but yeah. yeah. Two big bags of sugar, it's, it's, it's a lot of gear, isn't it? No, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, That's the sort of stuff we were up against back then, you know? Wow. It doesn't happen now. So when you said originally, I, <laughs> um, I, you probably won't know this term, but see, when you said they, they would go into the pub and they lift up the back of the you know the toilet seat, and you said they put uh, they put their cocaine in their knives, I thought you said they were going to shit in the back of the, the, the toilet thing. That's called an upper decker. Have you heard this? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I fucking I've I've cleaned the manly little Believe me, so I've, it leaves I've seen a stink for a week. I've never so, seen before. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going with, but uh, yeah, well, that's <laughs> no. that's crazy. But I swear, yeah, right. Okay, so that well, look, it all ended happily ever after, you know. So no, outside no, that, outside that, in these pubs, I mean, uh, you've cleaned them up. You you put chapter when you started doing this. When you you and your father, your your brother started putting the, uh, doing the pubs, did you find a lot of I don't know what the word would be that they didn't like the Irish. The fact that you were Irish and you came over there was an issue. Was that oh. an issue for you or fucking hate, miss? They, they, ha- they hate. I don't know what it was. A lot of people got a, had a chip on their shoulder. Like when you when 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 guys are full of cocaine, they get they get really cocky. Yeah. Like I had a barman, I had a barman that said something wrong to one of the guys. Like there was, there's a like in in the hospitality industry. If a customer walks in, if if he wants to chat, he'll chat. If he doesn't, you just leave him alone. Yeah. If you got one of these gangsters coming in and he's off his head on cocaine, you don't you don't piss him off. So I had this guy and he, he said the wrong word and this guy literally cut him up so bad. It mm. was unbelievable. Like my the, 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 he was the manager, he he moved back to Ireland because he was so traumatized by by, by by these guys. But it was basically we were in and we cleaned we, we, we cleaned up the bars and basically the, 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 we we had a bit of respect for them, but like in, at the end of the day we were we were in their backyard and we just we just we just went with the flow, you know. 
Yeah. We employed lo- we employed local lads. My dad was a very is still a very generous guy. He used to give the money wherever they wanted money. We never paid protection, but just be, be, being a character and being funny and just keep keeping on their side. You know, like th- th- there was several times we just we were just we just wanted to go home. You know, but we we we, we, we stuck with it. You know, yeah. and thank God we did because we're very well known in the area. Every, everybody knows me. We're very good at our job, like like yourself. We're we're the best in the business at it, and. Uh, we want to keep carrying on from strength to strength. Yeah, you know? no, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Now, with the, so we want to go back and revisit because we kind of got off the topic. When you found the J Kitty, was it at, with Tom? Um, and you would you would you search them on the internet and you kind of came across these guys? Is that what kind of happened? Well, the great thing about Google is you just you, you tap in Everybody Bruce Lee and all, all sorts of stuff comes up in it. You know, right? But, but I, I found lacking of going, oh, will I go? Will I not go? And then. I was fond of the drink back then, and I was I'd have a hangover, and I wouldn't go. And then sure. I'll get to that story about Thailand later on. But I, I I was going to go in 2013, and then I got injured. And then when I when I got, when I got over my injury, I just said fuck it. I just I just going to go, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I'm down in a, a funny story about Lack. The first time I met Lack, when you join the class, you have to give him a tenor, you know, because he doesn't really. <laughs> <laughs> you, have to, you have to give him a tenor, or, or else he tell you to do one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So of course I arrived anyway, and I'm known for not carrying money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not tight, but I never have money on me. That's fine. But uh, I arrived down at the gym anyway, and uh, Lax says, "How are you, Johnny? No problem." He says, "The class." He says, "Yeah, have you got your tenor?" I went, "Tenor? What's the tenor for?" He goes, "You need a tenor for the class." I said, ah, "Sure, don't worry about it, Lax. I'll give it to you the next time." Oh, he says, "No, you won't." He says, "You need to go to get the tenor now." Ah, that's great. <laughs> so I'm going. Classes to start in five minutes. He says, "There's a Sainsbury's up the road." He says, "There's a cash machine. You can run up there." And I went. So I had to run back into my car, get my 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 car done up, and give him the tenor. And it was just even even that little bit of discipline at the start. Says to me, I said to myself, Christ, this guy is this guy is for real, like you know. And I started doing the class, and I've done martial arts over the years, and some martial arts like Taekwondo, you had to get into your into your gi, into your gi, right, and yeah. there was you couldn't wear runners, and some of the guys were big headed and they were too rough, and I just couldn't settle into any other martial arts. But in JKD, you're, you're winning. Okay, you have your uniform, you're in your runners. Lack is very lack is very laid back, and I just right. I'm still there four four and a half years later. So we, wow, you must be doing something right, you know. But I love it. Just just, just a note on that. So, so we, we lack used to do when I first started my first ever class, which which was the first one we did in in London, was um, a free class, and he used yeah. to do these free classes, and um, we used to charge a bit less as well for the for the um, for the training in general. Yeah. And what we found is since we've insisted on taking a payment for that trial class and getting people signed up on what is i guess a relatively expensive monthly fee is the quality of students has actually gone up a lot yeah that people the people we get now are much more committed they've done their research and they 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 really have really bought into what we're doing And, and it's just another way of like filtering out the you know the tourists i guess yeah, because you don't be wasting half your class on people that aren't going to bloody come back, you know? Yeah, a lot, enough a lot of effort goes into those yeah. beginner types. And oh, yeah, it's I always disappointing yeah. when they leave. Yeah, I waste a lot of time on beginners. <laughs> so in her as well, you get that all the time coming in, and then obviously when you have to talk about money, that becomes an issue, and the prices are more than reasonable, but that's a great idea. I might have to start doing that, George. Hey, motherfucker, it's 20 bucks. It's a tenner when you come in. It's a, great, it's, a great, it's a great idea because it's, right. it sifts out all the... Like, if somebody's serious about it, they'll say, okay, I'll pay the tenner, and I'll sign up for the direct debit for whatever we're paying a month. 
and then you know they're, they're serious, you know. Because yeah. you, 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 you could have 20 guys there every week turning up. Yeah, I mean, wasting your time, you know. If I, if I compare what we've got in London to um, the Wednesday night group in California, yeah. JPD group, and Dieter as well, who's, who's in Belgium, uh, you know, primal Europe, that they charge minimal um, fees. I think I think the, the garage in um, in California was done on a donation basis, right? Which is ridiculous. <laughs> and and I've, I've I've tended to see that I think those the Californians to take it a bit for granted. You know, there's there's so many great martial artists on their doorstep. It's just that they take it for granted. And uh, yeah, I I, I, just, I feel with Dieter, you know, he could charge so much more. He's got so much knowledge. It's yeah. it's, it's it's of such value. Right, um, and, and you know, it's almost as if they think they're doing their students a favour by charging them less. And I, I, you know, I think when you've got something of value, people always appreciate that and pay what it's worth. Oh, I agree completely. Well, I was at, out there teaching in Tackett's garage a number of years ago. Was it maybe it might have been the first time I was actually at the garage? Second time, and a bunch of the guys knew me. I think there was like forty guys showed up. So a lot of people showed up, and then yeah. and then and then. Uh, I didn't want anything, but I was out there visiting Tim and doing whatever. He had stayed at his house. Um, and uh, Tim goes, all right, you know, make sure you put your money into the thing. We'll take a collection up for Jim to help pay for his trip or whatever it was. That was the idea. I think it was like $13 that we came up with. Yes, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that was nuts. And, yeah. But you're absolutely right. If they're not paying for it, they don't respect it, they don't appreciate it. 100 yeah. I'm on. I'm on board 100%. And it filters out that potential student or client that is or is not serious. Oh, I just want to try it. Matter of fact, I had a conversation with a guy who came in the other day. We have a year membership. I have a six-month membership, This and the six-month is more expensive than the yearly membership. And, uh, and the only way I'll even negotiate someone just coming in for a couple months would be if they pay me all the money up front in one shot. And I point-blank told the guy, I said, look, I just don't even want to waste my time. You know, I spent a lifetime doing this. I've traveled the world and talked to, you know, trained and taught people all over, learned all kinds of neat things. He's a serious motherfucker. That's right. (laughs) That I I don't want to waste my time. And the guy just kind of looked at me and goes, I get it. You know, I was, because I didn't know how that was going to fly with this dude, nor did I really care. But, uh, but uh, I think he'll be signing up. How about the I'm good guy? The what? The I'm good guy who called and you asked his name. Oh yeah, so here's the interesting. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry, yeah, so here's so this one dude right. calls up on the phone and he goes, uh, yeah, "Yeah, how much is boxing?" And I go, "Who am I speaking with?" Right? And he goes, "No, I'm good." And I I go, "Boom!" I hang up the phone. Right? I'm pissed. I was I was training. Uh, I think maybe a lot. I walked out. I'm pissed. God, fuck this guy. I'm so pissed off. It just got me. You know, like hit that raw nerve. And then the phone rings like two minutes later. I, and I go, all right, climb back out of the ring, run over, pick up the phone. I go, uh, Primal Jim. And then he goes, yeah, I think we were disconnected. I said, no, I hung up on you, motherfucker, because if you don't even want to tell me your name, I don't want to do business with you. I was so furious. I don't, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just because, you know, because they, they call up and just, ah, what's your what's the price? You know, do you, do, you, do you find you can always tell the ones that are going to drop out or the ones that are going to stick with it? Lack thinks he can. I've got no clue. Um, <laughs> yes, for the most part, I can. Uh, you'll get that person right away. Day one, there's uh, money issues or commitment issues. You, you could they're setting up their failure from day one. Um, yeah. Um, but I was the excuses. Which, yeah, well, I, I can't that. do this. I'm, I'm only going to come once a week. 
you know, they, you know, like they want you to abbreviate the, the price. No, well, they don't come. I, I can't help you there. Uh, I was wrong. I had one student, which I posted on, Diana, who is in law school down in Duke in the, the Carolinas. She came in. She um very nice girl, not very athletic, at least on the outside. She didn't appear to. She played golf. She straight-A student, you know, went to college, so on and so forth, graduated college, came in, and I said, ah, just to my inner thought, ah, she's not going to last that long. She was the most dedicated student I probably ever had. And a lot of fun. A lot of fun. She was a great personality. She showed up to every single class, and she would stay four hours a night. And then uh, she was actually going to take up her first uh, amateur boxing fight, uh, which I was going to be at uh, a primal gym. The issue was, was that we uh, had to postpone the fight several weeks due to some uh, logistical, lo- thank you, logistical issues. issues. Thank you. And then, um, so then she had, was off to college after that. So unfortunately, we weren't able to do. It. But anyway, so I think I can tell for the most part, absolutely smell it coming. And you know, hey, by the way, while I'm on the topic, just uh, <laughs> there was another term. Uh, do I want to tell that story? Yeah, you do. All right, so here's the story. So I had someone go, because I got a couple trainers at the gym. And and, and so someone goes, well, how do you know which client goes with which person? You know, how do you know? Who do you take? Who do you take? Who gets this client? Who gets this client? And I go, well, you know, I kind of size them up. They come in. You kind of talk to them about it. I was in the ring here, by the way, over here. She was in the ring listening to this conversation. I said, well, if... If they come in and and, and uh, they're pussies, they go with so and so. So, yeah. so right, right, like, no right. So, so then, send so this person goes. Well, how do you know if they're pussies? I go because I can smell it. <laughs> <laughs> now, a lot is they're all distinguished in the ring, and she's just laughing because she's like one of the guys. Because well, one of the because the guy looked at me like oh my horrified, oh. like oh my god, he just said so that in front of her. Yeah, you know, and I was like, well, you know, if you smell them from that far away, you probably don't want to get involved. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly right. But hey, real quick before we Sorry. go, before we, we go down that get back to Johnny Mac, uh, I got a couple things coming up at the place at, at Primal Gym. On November 4th and 5th, we have a Snake Pit USA Coaches Clinic uh, with uh, Joel Bain and, and uh, the staff at Snake Pit. So that's just open to the coaches, but I just want to let those who are the coaches in the area that know that when they come in. Also, in December, we have a Carlos Catania Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu seminar that's open to the general public. All that information is on Snake Pit USA or on PrimalGymNJ.com. Also coming up in the Q1 next year, March, April, somewhere around there, uh, there will be a Primal European Camp. That will be in Nineveh, Belgium at Primal Europe with Dieter Casey. The date is to be determined. I'm not sure. Tom, you might have more information on that than I. Has Dieter thrown out any dates to you? Um, he was originally looking at February, and now he's. I, I, I think he might. The last thing he asked me about was May, actually. Okay. Well, so that's um, good too. But yeah, I, I think that it's TBC. Um, I think we should wish him a happy birthday, shouldn't we? He was he was uh, forty yesterday. 40. Old, old. He turned forty yesterday. Yes, I've known him. He's only for, a baby. Yeah, he's, he's still baby. in unbelievable shape. No, he's in good shape, and he's a good guy. Um, the other thing is, we just. I was talking about the other. Week, I'm trying not to burp on the air. Is that I formed? Uh, <laughs> I think if you if you mention that you almost burped, then it doesn't really. <laughs> oh, it almost it almost came out. Yeah, it almost came out. Well, yeah. And primal, <laughs> <laughs> primal, 
I formed a, a new company called Primal Promotions. I so coming up in 2018, uh, I will be promoting mixed martial arts, uh, kickboxing. I already do boxing events, but I'm going to expand upon that. So what that means is in the New Jersey, Philadelphia area, we will be promoting. I used to promote uh, amateur and professional mixed martial arts in Philadelphia under the name the American Mixed Martial Art Fight League. It was a great show. had a ton of celebrities uh, in, in the martial arts, mixed martial art world and stuff. So we'll be revisiting that again next year. So the corporation has formed paperwork into the state. So uh, you'll be looking for, look forward to that. We'll put on at least six shows with that, probably six boxing shows. And somewhere in there, some kickboxing shows. Along with that, we'll have a who's who of martial artists coming in to do seminars. And also, one last thing before we kind of get back, because uh, I want to do business here, because I never promote my own shit here, is that um, we will be having a big announcement next week that regards Primal Gym. I uh, can't say what it is, because you got to dot the I's and cross the T's, because it all could fall in the shitter <laughs> before then <laughs> you never know but i'm sure johnny you've had deals you're like i know this is going to go through and then something went south you know so i'm just the one to say talk about it until then now johnny you are a big mma fan oh love it that me, me, me main man conor mcgregor conor mcgregor so you, you, have you seen him fight outside yeah, of tv yeah know? i went to see him in, in boston uh, three years ago. Oh, you did. And then, and then I went to see him when he was uh, when when he bet Chad Mendes in Vegas in the MGM Grand. Oh, nice, Un- unbelievable! I was meant to go with a friend of mine. Yeah, a good friend. Of, a good friend of mine is uh, Shane Long. He has a MMA gym in Cork. He does mixed martial arts. He still oh, nice. still does a trains trains a few guys. Yeah. And he was he was meant to come to Vegas with me. So unfortunately, he, co- he couldn't make it. So he gave me. I had a free. I had a spare ticket. So I met friends. I met friends of mine over there, and we and we t- we teamed up. But um, he's good friends with John Cavanaugh, which is. He owns a. Uh, he's Connor's coach in yeah, yeah. In, in Ireland, but yeah. uh, of course we didn't get to meet, meet Connor. But uh, we were we, the, the crack we had over there uh, for three days in Vegas was was unbelievable. Like twenty thousand Irish people in the MGM Grand. The security didn't know what to do with us. <laughs> I, I can hope you. <laughs> I know because you've seen those when when he, his his fan base is used the Irish fan base, and you just see the oh. the. It's crazy. It's totally insane, yeah. and you see why Dana White loves him, and he, he's great for the sport. What a great. Uh, what a great character, you know. Yeah, he only, he only lives about four miles away from me in, in Ireland, you know. Oh, he, is comes, that right? he, co- he comes from, from Crumlin, so he comes from... Like, the thing about in Ireland, when you get a guy like that that came yeah. from... Like, I've followed Connor since since he was just doing MMA in, in, in Dublin, and yeah. now, he's, now he's a global superstar. Like, the Irish, the Irish people get behind sportsmen, and it's not, it's not often we produce good sports people. You know, we had with Steve Collins when he met Chris Eubanks in, right. in, the, in, the, in the double, and... Ireland bet Wales there the other day to to get into the to quali- try to qualify for the World Cup. So when when somebody's doing well in, from Ireland, the whole country gets behind them. And the Irish travel; they'll travel all over the world to oh, see yeah. somebody fighting. And to, to, the amount of people that followed Connor and they still do follow him. Like I, I was, I was, I was meant to go to New York with Tom, but unfortunately I couldn't go because we just got back from where did we come back from? Uh, Italy, wasn't it? Yeah, we were. We just came back from Italy, and I was going to go to the New York gig with Tom, but I, I couldn't go. I was kicking myself. I should have went. Yeah. There. Well, so what happened there was basically like the tickets were a fortune. They were like six hundred and fifty dollars each. Wow. And so what we did, me, me and my friend Billy, who lives in New York, um, 
we bought four of them, and the plan was to sell the other two for like a thousand dollars each. Luckily, come to and then that would that would obviously knock down the price of ours. But then we couldn't sell them for that much, so I was trying to shift one of them onto Johnny and get a few other people to join me. But yeah. sure, um, we ended up only being able to sell those for face value. So then it was a very expensive weekend. That, but but it was the best sporting event I've ever been to. Oh. <laughs> Um, Madison I should, Square I should, I should, I should have went home. Oh, the home, the home. And it was the first, first ever UFC fight. First, because it was Bayern in New, New York, York for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, was it, was it, was, yeah it was the New York. So I'll give you that. So first, when the uh, UFC started in the early nineties, it was only in, I think initially, oh no, it was in Colorado was the first one, and mm. then you know it was banned in most states. It was, you know, it was human cockfighting, too violent and stuff, and and so on and so forth. Throughout the years, all the states it became sanctioned, legitimate. It obviously, was grows into the sport that we know today. So New York has had MMA, but it's been underground for a number of years. So there, and so fighters would go up and fight in New York on unsanctioned events. And then the mm. thing is, if you did that, it really penalized you if you went to fight in the local states of New Jersey or Pennsylvania or somewhere like that. And, yeah. and now New Jersey is a big part of New York's promotion. I don't know what took them so long to do it. It's kind of ridiculous to. The mecca of boxing, arguably Madison Square Garden, couldn't have a UFC till what a couple of years ago. So, but now it is legal there, and you know, so oh, it's great. It's great. Like MMA were the first. Like it was a vicious sport when you th- like how how much has changed since the Gracies, right? And and, and moving up, right? God, it was it was it was vicious. Like even even my mother looks at now, she goes, "Oh, I can't believe they're doing that to each other," you know. Right. Except <laughs> my dad would be going, "This is great," you know. But my my mum can't look at it at all because it is it is it is vicious. It is. It's never been aimed at mothers, though, really, no, has it? No, she, no. she just goes and makes the brown bread. No, <laughs> what's, no what's right, right. No, yeah, because Johnny. back in, back in the time when I had I had done uh, some fights, and I they, I don't you can't call them uh, necessarily even MMA fights, but uh, uh, pretty much the only thing you couldn't do uh, I'm, I'm at a, on an Indian reservation. Uh, that's because they're not confined by the laws of the the country necessarily they can do their own thing and they're discussing the rules of what you can do pretty much it was left out that the only thing i couldn't do was rip out a guy's eyes outside of that i could do everything i kick him in the face when he's down rip his balls off it didn't it didn't really fish hook it didn't matter and i remember sitting there when they're giving us the rules going what the fuck am i doing you know if i die they're gonna go feed me to the wolves out in the mountains or some shit like that. But yeah, yeah it was kind of cool. crazy. But it was a completely different, not nearly as elegant. Uh, not that it's elegant now, or the athletes that they were. Because you remember in the beginning, there were a bunch of slobs doing it. But anyway, there. Are, what's I've that? got. I've got another great segue. No way. So, speaking of fights in New York, didn't you have a fight in New York once, Johnny Mac? Oh, jeez, I did. <laughs> you did. <laughs> oh, that was we represented. We represented the country. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we went to, we went to, yeah, uh, 1996, a friend of mine, Cahill Grady, used to, he was fighting for Ireland, he was representing Ireland in, in the Atlanta Olympics, and, yeah. and uh, he fought, and he, and he, and he, he, unfortunately he lost, he didn't, he didn't get anywhere, but uh, he's still a great fighter, he, he's, he's retired now. He's boxing. A boxing, yeah. Boxing, yeah. He was uh, super, super heavyweight, I think, or something, but um, he rang me one day and he says, do you fancy coming to uh, to New York? And I said, to do what? He goes, he says, why, why color boxing? So white collar boxing, you know, white collar boxing is the same all over the world. Sure. So I says, sir, I haven't trained in fucking years. I says, how to put on a pair of boxing gloves again? You know. He says, come on. He says, you can get you come, you come to Ireland to train in Ireland. I says, I, I can't. I can't be going over and back in an airplane. You know. I says, I, I'm going to find a local gym down beside. So the guys that, that carried on with training with, with the ring pub, I went yeah. down and I trained with those guys. 
So I trained there for about six weeks. I couldn't drink. I couldn't have but any... How did you ever survive? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't have any, couldn't have any hanky panky and all that sort of jarble. So yeah. I, I trained for six weeks and we went to uh, we went to New York and we were up to the Catskill Mountains up to a guy yeah, called yeah. Stan, Hoff, Stan Hoffman. Have you ever heard of him? Yes. Little Stan with the ponytail. So we went up to the Catskill Mountains. Beautiful and, and not a damn thing going on. Yeah, right. Yeah, perfect. Sorry. Yeah. What, a, what, a, what a character he was. And then Jerry Cooney, the great white hope, arrived. Yeah. And by God. So basically, we, we sparred him well. I, we, I kind of, he kind of played with me. I played with him. So we get into, the, get into this ring anyway. And he says, Johnny Mac, he says, one thing you always got to remember about boxing, he goes, you have to breathe. You have to breathe. Yeah. Uh, and with that, he fucking hit me in the stomach, and I just went, "Wow!" <laughs> nice. I went, "You bastard!" I says, "You fucking you you were fighting George Foreman for the world title." He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I was fucking drunk fighting him." <laughs> you know, they, they laced they basically laced him with drink and prostitutes and drugs the night before. Who Cooney? That, Cooney, yeah, yeah. The night, yeah, the, 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 night, the night before. Yeah. He was staying in Vegas, and he was a, he was a womanizer. He loved to drink. Sure. Jerry, Jerry, if you're listening to this, it's Johnny Mac. He'd probably kill me. <laughs> but uh, they, uh, they, yeah, they, 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 they brought up a load of prostitutes and a load of gear, and he got off his head. Only for that, I reckon he would have. He yeah. would have. He would have, he would have had uh, George Foreman. Right. But there you go. He, he was called the Great White Hope. So he, he was. Now he's, he's a good fighter. Ten, great fighter. Yeah. But uh, he was doing seminars back then about trying to get young guys off drink right. and drugs and all that sort of stuff. And he used to do loads of loads of boxing shows. So we, so we had him up in the Catskills for three or four days. He bounces around the ring. We, we, we had great crack. And then we went back from the Catskills. We went out to Gleason's gym in yep. Brooklyn. Yep, very famous famous. Gleason's yes. gym. Yep. You, can, you can imagine it. I've been <laughs> ten, Irish, yeah. ten Irish guys were like ten milk bottles walking into this gym. Yeah, yeah, into yeah. this gym where it's like, it was like Rocky Tree when Apollo Creed brought fucking Balboa That's into right. the gym. Back to the game. The boys are all in the bags. Up, 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 and next thing, everybody, everybody stops. Yeah. You can hear the ceiling dripping. And some fella goes, look at these guys, <laughs> and so where's the locker rooms? I wouldn't be putting those stuff in those lockers. Remember to get nicked, you know. That's right. So I think it was Alex or something was the guy that ran the gym. Come over and introduced us, and it's it's got like seven or eight rings, and it's got three or four wrestling gyms, and it was it was it was brilliant, you know. And then we trained there for two days, and then we went down and we fought down beside Ground Zero in yeah. 1996. Right. So basically, we had Saturday Night Live commentating on the fights so it was a bit of fun and it was serious as well so yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was fighting a guy I didn't know who was fighting until until that night but uh, I was fighting a guy that was that, there was a, a fellow publican that owns a, a bar in New York yeah, yeah. and he's been training he's been training for four years wow I'm going oh I said, I'm going to get this so it was three three minute rounds so I'm thinking Jerry Cooney's going Johnny breathe he says he says if you keep breathing he goes he says you're going to last the three rounds and I went okay so Cooney goes, in you go. So I'm in and I'm throwing a few jabs and bump, buck, duck around it. This fella clocked me. Down I went. Up I get. So I thought the three minutes would never stop. Yeah. So next, I come over to sit down and Cooney grabbed me by the back. And we're wearing the headgear. So he grabbed me by the headgear. He says, you're not sitting down, he goes. Stand up, he goes. He says, we're going to play mind games here. He goes, you're standing. He's sitting, he says. He thinks he's fucked, you know. So I was standing <laughs> up. The man going, he's not sitting down. He must be ready to go again. Yeah. Now for the second round, I I I dropped your man anyway. Don't don't ask me where it came from. Just nice. adrenaline. I, I I I I basically decked him, and then we had these comedians from Saturday Night Live commentating on the fight. I was laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Mac is going in the head. So the last round come up, and I was up to your man. I says, "Look, I says, 
I says, how are you feeling? He goes, he says, I'm knackered. He says, I'm really tired. I says, look, I says, I'm fucking knackered too. I says, let's take it handy. And he goes, oh, he says, yeah, but we'll take it really easy. Like, you know, we were, we were hugging each other for three minutes. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> You're making we love in the ring. Yeah, we, we couldn't stand up. So next thing, the, the referee comes over and says, oh, it, it's, it's a draw, you know. So we, it was a draw and we, we all went out. We got pissed drunk in New York. And nice. Then we had to go back to Ireland. Then we then we fought in Ireland as well. And we had Steve Collins there, you know, Steve Collins. Yes. And Steve, Steve Collins' brother was fighting. And the, I was fighting this guy. They, was, they used to sell helicopters back when, they, when things were good in Ireland. Yeah. And he sold he sold about ten tables, about twelve grand's worth of tables. And I only sold one table for a thousand, for a thousand pounds. And I went into the fight, right? And I, 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 next time I see, I bring the DVD over. I kicked the shit out of this guy, right? Nice. But because I done martial arts, the odd knee came up. Oh. And, <laughs> and the, odd, the odd elbow came over, and the odd head went in. It happens. It happens. It does, it does happen. But you know, yeah. I, I was surviving in the in the, in the ring. So the referee kept spent more time going over to the guys and going, deduct the point, deduct the point. So basically, I thought I won the fight. Yeah, yeah. Then the referee goes, and the winner is blah, blah, blah. And I went, yeah, no, you've made a mistake here. <laughs> no, <it's> not, <laughs> lost. I says, I've lost because he's fucking got more tables than me. And my brother jumped into the ring and says, referee, up. Because right. all my friends were going crazy because anyway, I won the fight. Yeah, so yeah, says, yeah. Oh, if you want a rematch, I says, I'll, I'll, I'll fight you again. It never happened. But it was... <laughs> It, it was a great experience fighting under the lights and oh, the TV yeah. cameras there and all that sort of stuff. Pretty you know? cool. Pretty good, man. I, I had the buzz for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and that, look, that level of boxing often, you have no idea who your opponent is. So, and you have no idea. A guy could be having his first fight in white-collar boxing and have been in the gym for five, six years and could have been fighting pros in there and hanging in yeah. there. So you'd never know who that dude is that you were fighting. So. You're, yeah, only going yeah. that, you're only going by, hey, it's their first fight, which really doesn't mean anything. But I tell you, it takes, like, we had guys to join that class for the for the white-collar boxing, and some guys just get a little tip on the nose, and they go, oh, that's not for me. Right. Yeah. And they just go, sorry, because you have to raise, like, three grand a head to, to, to do this, and a right. certain amount of money went towards a charity. Right. But, like, t- 30 guys started, and there was, like, 12 of us left, because they were wow. going, somebody gets a box on the nose, and they go, oh, can't do that. So right. it's like with our martial arts class. Somebody, somebody might get a little tap in the nose or a little box in the, in the ribs and they go, oh, this is not for me, you know? Yeah. So the white collar stuff's massive over here. Just. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah, they, they have clubs over here that, that do that. Um, I don't think it's as big, but it, it, there's a heck of a market. It's sanctioned by the USA Boxing. And uh, but they do it, and it, you know it's around. And it, look, those guys come to fight; they just happen to be you know not doing it for a living. So, hey, real quick, because we're going to have to wrap it up. So I wanted to touch on because there's a big fight coming up, or at least potentially. We, we've I, still got the amazing story to come. Oh Jim. shit! All right, okay. let's do let's do the amazing we might story. Overrun. Wait, no, no, that doesn't matter. Let's no, go. No. I want to do this first, and then we'll because if it is that amazing of a story, <laughs> we need to end on the amazing story. So Bisbing and GSP. We can talk oh. about that next week. You don't want to talk about I've got a ticket. I've got a ticket, and I hope, hey. Have you? Tom, I know people that know people that know people. Can you get me a ticket? Well, I've been promised a ticket, <laughs> ringside, and I hope hey knocks the bollocks out of you. Because I don't like that guy oh, with his yes. Liverpool accents. I, I thought we were talking about Bisping GSP. What do you mean? David Hay? Yeah, Who are you talking about? No, I'm I know. About I know. I know exactly why you're passing oh, up. Sorry, no. sorry, sorry, sorry. No, you're talking no, about what I, I want to talk about, actually. But I'll be completely uh, quiet. The, let's hear look. English hegemony. Okay, that's sorry, right. Let's talk about the Bisping G- GSP yes. very briefly. Oh, so, so I've got um, yeah. my, my old flatmate, like one of my good friends. They built an iPhone app for GSP, which was called TouchFit. It didn't massively take off, yeah. but we used to like. Uh, 
we had to watch that fight and make sure that he kept winning because obviously the interest in that app when yeah. it went live would have really bombed had he not have won. And he, he was a serial winner um, in, in the sort of pre, you know, he's, he's, a, he's the star of the show pre Conor McGregor. Um, right. I haven't watched loads and loads of his fights, but you know, he, he, he is a, a big name. I don't really understand why he walked away from the sport. Um, Bisping is like, uh, you know, he's British and he's had, he does, he's had more fights than anyone else ever. Which you know, I'm quite quite sort of proud of that. He got he won the title against the odds against Silver in right. London. Didn't that you? was the first US UFC fight I think we hosted in London. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really exciting fight. No, November the fourth is November fourth. Just a quick one. He yeah. walked into a pub, he, he walked into a pub one night. GSP or Bisping? Bisping. Oh right. Walked into the ring and or not, into, into, into the windmill and Pat goes. He goes, so he says, UFC, he goes, he says, Johnny Mac, our, our owner, he goes, he's big into UFC, he goes, he says, send him this photograph. And I was in Thailand, I went, fucking typical. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in Thailand, and he walks and he has a, and he has a pint, because he likes an old, he likes an old drink. Nice. Nice. He does, he's, he's a devil for the beer. What's right. your thoughts on that one, Jim? What are my thoughts on it? On uh, the fight, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I, look, I would love to see GSP win it. Is that possible, to be out of the cage or the ring that long and to fight that caliber of a fighter in boxing historically guys would make comebacks often they would get one or two tune-ups and they call them tomato cans you know guys just to get them back in the ring and get warmed up because no matter how much sparring or whatever you do it never really truly replicates what goes on in the ring or the cage so in mma you're not really afforded that luxury unless unless and in, in boxing today, so for GSP to come out of how long has he been retired? Four years, three years, four, even four years, I think. Four years. So in four years, not competing at that level to come in <clears throat> against a top guy like that, the odds are stacked against him. Always liked GSP. He was a very respectable guy, super talented. Could wrestle, yeah. could punch, could kick. Never talked shit. Uh, real seemed like a real good guy. You know, yeah. uh, and then I guess he had some mental or f- issues or family issues or wh- whatever was going on. We took him away from the sport. Maybe he just lost his love for the sport. On a side note, I always tell guys, look, if you really don't want to do this more than anything else on the planet, you don't don't do it. You can't kind of want to do it because you're going to kind of get your ass kicked. That's what's going to happen yeah, at right? that level. Yeah, right. So, uh, right. So he may have just lost his love or his spirit for it, and then. Maybe he had returned. And, of course, this is a big step up. We'll see what happens. I'd like to see him when – look, I'd be big shocked. Big payout if he as well, isn't it? What's that? It's a big payout as well. It's, oh, I'm there's, sure. There's a it's a, yeah. A GSP, if it, you know, look, if GSP comes back and whoops him, you know, he's back at the top of the food chain. Oh, yeah. And then maybe I, you get a McGregor, a GSP fight. I, I see GSP's got um, Manny Pacquiao's coach, the, the boxing coach. What's his name again? Freddie Jim. Roach. Freddie Roach. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I think that's a new move. So maybe his punt. I mean, his punching was already good, but it was good. It, 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 the, right, so you get that boxing coach, and Freddie Roach is you know the top with that as as well. The, the the issue may be is he's a boxing coach. Can that athlete split the the arts? GSP can. Other guys can't. You know, they're stuck either boxing or wrestling or kicking. It's tough to put them yeah. all together. And being it's a pure boxing coach at the top of the chain that. May potentially cause some issues, but we'll see. Maybe Freddie's a big fan of MMA and can see the. Be, I, think he, I, mean, he, I believe he said it would take 
him five years to get McGregor ready to fight um, Mayweather. To be yeah. that was his take yeah. prior to the yeah. fight. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's changed that that's so anyway, but look, we're gonna run a time, so let us enough as we'll hit back on this yes. next week. Let us hear the greatest story ever told. Oh, that's about Christ, but I mean <laughs> this greatest is story yeah. ever told, and I'm here to tell the tale. Tell us the tale, <laughs> brother. Let's go. So this happened I was gonna join JKD. My wife is from Chiang Mai in, in, in Thailand. Yeah. I've been with her I've been with her twelve years, got two kids and uh we were building a house over in Thailand, so we were staying in a hotel. And then uh, my wife had to go to uh, Thailand on, on business. So my my wife's sister was looking after the kids. So I never wear it. I never, I collect watches, you know, and tag high watches. And I never bring a watch to a bar in Thailand because if somebody sees a watch, they'll, they'll try and steal it. Yeah. So the way to the hotel, I put the watch in my trousers, went to, the, went to the hotel, had my shower, dropped the kids off at, the, uh, at my uh, wife's sister's place. And then I was walking out to my local bar, which is full of tourists. It's Halloween night. It's full of tourists. There's yeah. Americans, English, Irish, everybody's there all dressed up. And I put my hand in my pocket and went, fuck, my watch is in my pocket. Like, it's a $3,500 watch. So I said, if I leave it in my pocket, I'm going to lose it. I might as well put it back on my wrist. So I put it on my wrist and I'm going, I'm fairly safe around here. Blah, blah, blah. I can handle myself. Yeah. Well, you're a white-collar so boxer. Yeah. So I had, a, had, a, had, about, had about two drinks. And uh, in Thailand, as you know, in Thailand... I, yeah. I'm not embarrassed about it. Fucking my wife will be listening to this. I, these two girls approached me, started talking to me, and then going, they were with these other Irish guys, and they started chatting up these guys and yeah, blah blah yeah. blah. So they I left look, my they beer were looking for a date. Looking, looking for a date, yeah. Looking for a, looking for a man. <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 I left my beer on the on the bar, and I went to the toilet, and I came back, and I carried on drinking my beer. And then about 15 minutes later, I'm in a, I'm in a tuk tuk. You know the tuk-tuks, the little taxis that drive yeah, you around? Yeah, yeah. It's like a motorbike with a cab on the back of it. Right, right. So I'm in the tuk-tuk and I'm going, I said to myself, what am I, do- what am I doing in a, in, a, in, a, in a tuk-tuk? Then I, I faded, I went back asleep again. And then I woke up again and these two guys are lifting me into this building. And I said to myself, where am I going? I, should be, I shouldn't be here, you know. I didn't know what was wrong with me. And then I remember, <laughs> and then I remember, pain, and then I remember pain in the door. Yeah. And then, and then I faded away again. Wow. And then... This is, about, this is about one o'clock in the morning. I woke up at about three o'clock in the morning in a, in a, in a, in a small club, which was a hoo house that I later found out. I woke up in this club and I'm sitting on the seat and I'm, there's bottles of beer everywhere and there's bottles of vodka and there's, everybody's having a great fucking time. So I had, I had 60 bucks in my little pocket. Do you know the little pocket you have in your jeans? Yes, sir. So I had 3,000 baht, which is... 60, 60, 60, 60 dollars. Yeah. I'm so looking at the table going, I must have drank all that. That's about 40 quid. I'll give him a 20 quid tip. Get a tuk tuk. I'll be back in the hotel. Nobody knows where I am. I says, check bill cap. So that's the bill, you know. And this girl goes, yeah, yeah, I get your bill. I get your bill. I get your bill. So she brings over, brings me over a bill. It's the length of the room that you're in. Ah. And, <laughs> and I went, I went. And because I'm in the licensing, I'm in the trade myself. I said, I'm after being set up here, you know. So I looked at the bill and it's 42 bottles of Chang beer, two bottles of vodka, four prostitutes, towels, condoms. <laughs> fucking says to myself, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm like Colin Farrell here, you know, I'm a, yeah, I'm yeah. a soldier. So this, <laughs> this, 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 this is not my bill. No. So I says, the I says package. I'm, I'm fucking, not, I'm, I says, I'm not, I'm not paying that. So she goes, you pay a bill. I said, I'm not fucking paying the bill. I went to stand up, right? And I, could, I couldn't stand. My legs were, my legs were like jelly. I, I stood up. I fell back in the seat and I went, wow. I'm after being bloody, I'm after being drugged, you know. So the manager comes down and he goes, you pay bill, you pay bill. I says, I'm, I'm not paying the bill. I says, I'm, I'm going. I says, look, there's 60 quid. 
fuck off, I'm, I'm, I'm going, you know. At this stage, all the lights come up in the club and people started leaving the bar and I went, oh, fuck. The, you know, that feeling of having a shit yeah. <laughs> suddenly came and I went, right, here we go. <laughs> I'm in fucking trouble here, you know. Yeah. So I went to stand up and your man hit me, which side was he? He hit, he hit me here, bang, and I just fucking laughed at him. I went, <laughs> fucking hit me again and he fucking hit me again. Everybody left the club. He says, you need to pay the bill. I says, I don't have any money. He says, what's your name? I says, I don't know. Where do you live? I says, I don't know. Because I was, I was drugged. I couldn't remember my name. Wow. If I'd remembered where the hotel was, I was in the hotel. I know the guys that has, knew the hotel. We could have got this guy arrested. And I'm trying to think. I couldn't think. I just went, look, my wife is from Chiang Mai. I've got two kids. That's all I know. Just let me out here. I'm going, I don't want any trouble. So they all left the club. And the security guard came over. Because all the security guards over there think they're, think they're police. Oh, so he yeah. takes out this trunch and he goes, you pay a bill now. I said, look, I've, I've got no money. So they battered me. And I'm telling you, they fucking, I, I, was, I was like this. They kept wow. hitting me on the, on the shoulders, the arms, they were kneeing me in the legs. I says, I've got no money. I thought they were going to kill me. So they were talking about uh, putting me in a car because in, in, I recognize it because I've been going there 12 years. I go, these guys are going to put me in a car now. And if, the, if, if they can't get any money out of me, they're going to fucking put me in a hole somewhere. So I'm like, I'm really shitting it down. I'm, then I'm looking for knives. I, th- I didn't know what they were going to do. So they, they, these two girls picked me up because I couldn't walk. And I never forget it. They had these big long nails. And they brought me outside the club. And I was in jeans. And I was in flip-flops. And I was in a white shirt. And I, I said to myself, I, don't, I didn't recognize where I was in the street. So I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and escape. So I fucking knocked out the two women with my elbows. <laughs> and as, as, as they nice. fell back. As they fell back, their their their, their nails struck into my chest. Nice. I was like, I was like fucking Bruce Lee into the dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started, I started, started running. Yeah, yeah. And my flip flops came off, and I fell on the ground and I busted my knees open, busted my elbow, scraped on my head, and I ran as fast as I can. I just says, I don't want to die here, you know. I was thinking about my kids. I ran around this corner, and the biggest fucking wall you've ever seen in your life was in front of me. There was no way out. Cul de sac, dead end. And I went, shit, I'm, I'm going to die here. These guys ran around the corner. I went up to this bicycle shed. I climbed into this bicycle shed, and they started kicking the shit out of me. And then one guy goes, oh, he got money in his trousers. So I went to pull my trousers off, and I was wearing a belt. And the, the, the buckle of the belt ripped me all across my, down near my balls. Wow. And so, so I had no fucking clothes on, and they're kicking the shit out of me. So I just said to myself, <laughs> I'm not going to die in Thailand. Do you know what I was going to do? What? I was, I was going to shit in my hand and cover myself in shit <laughs> so, so they wouldn't touch me. Yeah. That's how close I thought That's I was. That's not a bad idea. Coming to death, but it, I couldn't, it, it didn't come. <laughs> so what a time not to be able to drop one, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, so I couldn't, couldn't drop one, so I said, right, I'm, I, need to, I need to escape out of here. <laughs> so I just ran through these guys, yeah. ran out into the middle of the main street, and all the nightclubs were coming out. Naked. At like, I'm naked. Seven o'clock in the morning. Hundreds of people on the street. This is like, they kidnapped me at, at one o'clock in the morning. This is yeah. this is seven hours later being going through all this fucking traumatized. Wow. So I'm in the middle of the street, my hands up in the air, no clothes on. I didn't give a fuck about no clothes. No, of course not, eh? I said, somebody please help me. Somebody please help me. So a tuk-tuk driver pulled up. I jumped into the back of the tuk-tuk and the security guy says, you pay money. I says, I'm not paying the money. He, take, he took out a taser. He goes, I fucking taser you. I says, fucking come and get me. So he came in and he tasered me. Wow. He fucking electrocuted me. So I, I was unconscious and they pulled me out of the back of the, the, the tuk-tuk. I'm lying on the ground. I woke up, there's about 60 people looking at me. 
And, and then I looked up at the manager and he fucking nicked my watch, my three and a half thousand fucking dollar watch. I says, that's my watch. No, you pay bill, he says. Didn't you tell them it was a fake watch? I told him it was a fake, yeah, early yeah. on. And he says, no, that's a real watch. So he took my watch. Then I heard the police coming. I went, oh, who called the police? I'm saved. They says, we call police. You pay bill, you pay bill. Oh, no. So I says, police, Thailand, this is not going to fucking get any better. No. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get banged up in a fucking cell and get raped or something, you know? <laughs> so the, so the, 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 the police arrived. Somebody, yeah. threw me, somebody threw me a pair of shorts. I put the shorts on. They brought me to the police station. They put me in a shower. They fucking hold me down like Rambo in first blood. They fucking oh, yeah. hold me down because it was covered in poo and all that sort of stuff. Get me my clothes. And then they brought me to this little courtroom and they were going, how are you going to pay this bill? And this guy, American guy, walked by me and he says, say you want to talk to the transport police or the tourist police. I said, I want to speak to the tourist police. And then everything changed. This guy arrived from the tourist police he says, he okay? The police just wanted to basically, they wanted to get rid of me, you know? So they got me and they drove me back to my sister's, uh, yeah. my, my, my wife's sister's place. But they drive and, you and back and you you just have the shorts on. I got, No, they gave me clothes. They gave me, a, I never forget, they gave me a big yellow t-shirt. They put me in the back of the paddy wagon yeah. and drove me back to my sister's, uh, my uh, wife's sister's house. Yeah. And then she came out and she went, what's going on? So this police officer said, oh, your husband was in a whore house and I'm going, fucking no, I wasn't. <laughs> I got fucking. I got. I, I mean, the wife finds out she'll kill me. Yeah, yeah. Says, I says I got fucking drugged in a bar, you know. So she went. It went anyway. It, the whole thing went crazy. So make a long story short, my story went to hold the whole way to the king of Thailand. No kidding. Swear to God, because I deal with singer beer in the UK. It yeah. went to the king of Thailand. It went. The chief of police had to resign. No from, kidding. Yeah, from the, from the police. I never got my fucking watch back. The no. chief of police resigned. The guys that owned the club got it got it got uh, it got closed down. They were Burmese gangsters, no, and yeah. uh, I didn't realise at the time that my wife's my wife's sister was very in with the with the local gangsters in in Chiang Mai. So she she made a, she made a few phone calls and everything, everything got sorted out. You know, yeah, so, yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I'm lucky. I'm lucky to be bloody alive. But I was just I just thought somebody was going to stab me with a knife that day. Wow. So when you go to Thailand, keep your finger in the bottle. Yeah, no doubt. Don't want to get drugged to end up in a whorehouse naked on the street fighting a couple of gangsters. I mean, Unable to defecate. You <laughs> see, so when they say, I shit my pants, say, ah, no, I, I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I had no pants and I couldn't shit. But they had, they had me for, I don't know how it got through it for several, maybe because they drugged me so much. I, 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 didn't, I couldn't feel any pain until two days later. I broke, my foot was broken. I was on crutches for three months. Were you? The whole left, left, the whole left hand side of me was like, oh, sure, guys uh, punching you in the head. So then I found Lack Lion. I says, right, it's time to kick ass. Won't fucking happen to me again. Right. <laughs> then you survived. And now you're back. Now you're on Primal Radio. And that's how you started. That's it. That's an awesome story. That just might be the right. greatest story ever, ever told. told. Hey, Johnny Mac, <laughs> buddy. Thank you so much for coming on. What? How do people find your pubs? Is there a website or something you want to promote? If they go on to windmilltaverns.com, go to Waterloo Station, Ask for Johnny back. Everybody knows me. Oh, Everybody. Come down for some beer, some some decent Thai food. And I just, I just want to say one thing to you, Jim. It's a, yes, it's a pity we did, it's a pity we didn't spend more time with each other in uh, in Ireland. But in fuck, a, yeah, yes, sir. I tell you, I could I could I could I could move in with you. You're 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 a talented guy. Oh, I'd love, love to learn more stuff off you over over. I hope to meet you another day. Yeah, well, I'll be uh, back over in in maybe May. Tom says over in Belgium, and if yeah. Tom. And get yeah. real, over to London. That would be fantastic. We'll talk about Definitely. that. Tom, yeah. Hey, Tom, anything you want to close up with before I close the sh- the shop here? 
Um, uh, promoting, I'll just say, uh, jkdlondon.com um, for anyone who wants to learn JKD in London or London slash Arnis. Um, I think .co.uk, that is, if you want to do rapid Arnis in London. Yeah. All right, man, that's it. This is uh, another great look. That was a great show. If you want to get a hold of Jim McKay and me, you can get a hold of me at uh, www.primaljimnj.com. Got all the list of all the seminars, upcoming thing for the promotions and so on and so forth. Uh, you can listen to us every week, 9 p.m. UK time, 9 p.m. New York time, and or on the archives on HamiltonRadio.net. All right, we're out. Peace out, guys. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.